Hello and welcome to Just a Tumor of His podcast, the podcast about living with and without cancer and navigating everyday life from two very different perspectives. I'm Ed, a student journalist. I'm Linda, a mother of five with a full-time job and I have metastatic bowel cancer. Um, and we have a guest on this week. We have uh, the lovely Anne-Marie Sheridan. Hello. On with us. Um, so yeah, I'll just, uh, we'll check in. We'll have a weekly check-in. Kind of how was your week, Linda? Fine. As you know, I had chemo for the weekend, so I'm a bit tired. Um, my mouth's never tired, but my body's definitely tired. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was just tough. Like, uh, it's a long, a long 48 hours, and I didn't sleep as well. So it kind of, if you get a good sleep when you're on that chemo, you're doing okay. But if you don't, it kind of takes longer to recover. So I'm finding it a little bit, it's taking me a, bit, a little bit longer to recover, but I'm all right. So it's been grand, like... Um, really wanted to do a load of stuff with the kids at the weekend even though I was on chemo because I really quickly had a fear of they told me with a chemo port that if I ever got a pain in my chest go straight to hospital so I when I'm on chemo I find it hard to leave the area but I've got over that so I was like oh we'll go here we'll go there we'll do this and I tucked him to the cinema in the square and I went and bought loads of sweets and looked around and Carl was like they're sold out and then I felt bad because Carl gets it right all the time and I don't. Like he would book the tickets and yeah. but I just ran out, ran with it and completely fell in its arse. And then yesterday Carl had something to do. So we ended up doing nothing really. So I was a little bit and then I take it all real personal. So the weekend was okay, but I would have liked to be able to do more. So yeah, it wasn't bad though. How about you? Um, yeah, I came on Thursday as well, but I have a very different type of chemo than Linda. So I go into hospital and have it and um, come home when I'm finished. I don't kind of take it home with me the way Linda does, but it would impact in terms of tiredness. So um, yeah, I would be quite tired for the weekend as well. But I, what did we do? We went into town yesterday with the boys and went to see an exhibition, much to their delight. There was a lot of moaning and groaning, but we got there and um, we were with Rob's sister before that visiting and Sunday we were football in the rain and um, Saturday Saturday we had um, we had a great weekend actually Saturday we'd um, I won a family portrait session so we went off to get our photograph taken which was great fun there was a lot of mess and the photographer was very good so he's slagging the 13 year old off um, so yeah good week all in all nice weekend Sounds cool. cool. The photograph sounds really yeah, good as well. Yeah. Was it like dressing up or just a family photo? No, photo-up? just a family photo. Yeah, yeah. We didn't dress up. We don't really do the good clothes thing, so we just wore No, I mean, you know, sometimes you dress oh, up no. like hillbillies and no, stuff. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> just a normal. Just, just our normal clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just going back, Anne-Marie, to your, uh, you mentioned you had your chemo this weekend and stuff. So do you want to kind of talk us through your journey with cancer and stuff like that and yeah sure but well, firstly um, just I've... let me say thanks a million for agreeing to come in and, and to, oh, to come and talk welcome. to us and because I know it isn't easy yeah no I'm a colleague of Linda's so I'm happy to happy to be here um yeah I've metastatic cancer as well so stage four but I've breast cancer so it's very different and my um journey is quite different I was diagnosed in 2016 with stage three breast cancer. So that meant it was in my lymph nodes. So I had um, 
chemo and then I had my breast removed and my lymph nodes on the left side removed um, and then radiotherapy and then it was as best to the best of our knowledge or cancer free so I went off with my life and um, two years later then um, when I don't know if the same but certainly the chemo you're on for breast cancer you get put into the menopause and then you're on um, I just, I've um, estrogen positive um, breast cancer so I was on a hormone then that keeps you in the menopause so you don't that's trying to get rid of the female hormones because female hormones what makes the cancer grow but I started to hemorrhage and anyway I had precancerous cells in my womb so two years after the hysterectomy I had my um, womb my ovaries removed so that was that and then that was done and then the following year um, just at the beginning of lockdown um, I was on the trampoline with, I have two boys, they're now age 13 and 11, so I suppose they were 9 and 11 at the time, and we were doing get fit like on the trampoline and I was laughing saying I was going to get a six pack um, and I hurt my back and then I noticed as well something funny with my eye, one eye, one pupil was bigger than the other um, and my scan had been cancelled because of um, COVID, so the hospital were cancelling scans um but i'd feeling something was up so I rang my gp and she started she asked me to look for lumps um and um referred me for a chest x-ray so i rang my oncology nurse and she got my ct scan in place and the pain in my back was uh cancer and um, so i had cancer in my spine and i had cancer in my lung and it was a tumor in my lung that was pressing on what's called your sympathy sympathetic nerve sympathetic nerve um, and that when I go red and um, only half my face would go red and one pupil dilates more than the other um, so that was when it, I discovered I'd metastatic breast cancer and I started on this drug um, kind of a new drug wonder drug it was fabulous and my first scan showed no growth so I was just over the moon I was like three months in was no that just growth. in your lungs now at that time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought I'm gonna get 10 years out of it. Like, there are people who live with metastatic breast cancer for more than 10 years. Um, so I was convinced I was gonna get 10 years on this drug, and then the next scan showed growth. So, um, it had grown in my bones and my lung. So I started on a stronger, still oral medication, and um, that I took every day. So they called it oral chemotherapy. Um, and that was fine and I was on that for three months and then I wasn't feeling great I had a lot of pain in my um, ribs and my lungs um, and I, that, I had a lump on my back that was growing so um, I said to the doctor when I was in getting my blood so my fabulous consultant saw me Janice Walsh and she took me into hospital for a week and um did lots of scans and stuff. I was also in hospital for a week the year before when the seat, when I had the scan, um, when they discovered I'd metastatic cancer, she had taken me into hospital for a week. Um, so she took me the following year, she took me in for a week and I'd loads of scans. And um, yeah, they discovered cancer in my liver. So um, that's when I started back on IV chemo. And um, when I asked, would I be on IV chemo for the rest of my life? I was told yes. 
So um, I now have um, secondary breast cancers in quite a number of my bones, my liver and my lung. And um, I'm on chemo for as long as I am lucky to live. Um, and there is no hope of cure. Like this is it now. It's um, So it's a case of live every day as well, as good as I can. Um, and, you did um, tell me, I know a few weeks ago, me that you were saying that it's called it's called breast cancer, but you actually don't have cancer in your breast. No, because I did have cancer in my breast, but the chemo shrank that, and then they removed my breast. Yeah. So um, I've only one breast, and they removed all the lymph nodes on my left hand side. Um, I know you, Linda. You had um, some of your liver removed, removed yeah, that's right. and that's not really an option for me because it's in my bones, and it's. I think because it's in the two places you have it, an operation is an option. And I have numerous tumours in my liver, so I just don't think it's yeah. an option. And it's in the lining of both lungs. I always just think of it as in my left lung, but it's actually in both lungs because my left lung is where I have pain. Okay. Um, whereas I don't have any symptoms in my liver that I'm aware of. I'd say tiredness is probably a symptom that's in my liver. Um, and I don't have any... Um, symptoms of it in my right lung that I'm again that I'm aware of yeah um but I certainly would have quite a lot of pain on my left side so that would be cancer in my left ribs and in my lung so that's my story so it's 2016 September 2016 to 20 so it'll be six years this September since I was first diagnosed so it's been a long it's a long, a long road, road. I remember yeah. when you were dying well you were obviously you were on sick leave and I didn't see you but I knew yeah that, that you had, had breast cancer um but like just back to the liver piece isn't it amazing like that we can get cancer in our liver and just not like I didn't know that I had six tumors in my liver mm. I've had them all removed as you know but I, I had like heartburn or like reflux which I now think was kind of coming from my liver yeah, I know symptoms. Oh, actually, I actually have it in lymph nodes around my stomach as well. So what what they may affect the lymph nodes around my stomach, my liver is I um was very sick before Christmas and after Christmas. Um I um I was in hospital a week and then in the hospice for three weeks um, with nausea and vomiting. Um and the palliative team changed around my medication. Um so that's been sorted, but that could in my liver and the lymph, the lymph, the cancer in the lymph nodes probably didn't help the vomiting. But I, I was just vomiting every day, like I was. I can't really remember it. And is, my, is that from was, the chemotherapy? No, it was a mixture of from the chemotherapy because when I stopped, I had a break of six weeks from chemo, and um, because I just couldn't take it anymore. But when the chemo stopped, it didn't stop. So it was a mixture of chemotherapy and the cancer. Okay. Um, I just, I haven't put back on all the weight, but I lost a lot of weight. And uh, yeah, I was just sick every day, like, God. and nauseous every day. And I kind of, I've forgotten all about it, but my husband and my friends certainly yeah. remember, like everybody was very worried about me. Yeah. It did seem like, even my oncologist was worried Um, the time I ended up in hospital. It did, yeah, it was just kept going. I think I was 50 in October and my 50th birthday with my siblings and my parents was the first day I felt really sick. So from then till the end of 
the kind of middle of January I felt wow. sick. Yeah. That's a long but time. I just kept in typical human fashion, you just keep going every day. Yeah, go, I'm sick today, but I'll be okay tomorrow, you know. And no anti sickness drugs work, there was nothing that no, no, they do now because they've changed everything around. Yeah, yeah so I'm fine now. Because yeah. you, you think about sorry, yeah, do you think about one night of having a vomit book? Mm. Like tip words like that, there's no even more to tip. I haven't had any vomit yeah. on my on my um, chemo, and I'm I've done eleven now, which doesn't seem a lot. You've probably done hundreds. So I've done eleven. Well, I haven't quite done hundreds. If you could, a lot more than me probably. But um, I like so I can imagine having a vomit book for one night, but having that for weeks. Yeah, like, oh, it's, it's like, mad. It's yeah, just, and it's, I didn't never had any vomiting before that. Like it was, yeah. it was um, yeah, it just came on and didn't stop. Because it's interesting, actually, what you just said there. You said that you feel sick, but you just keep going on and on. And something that we're we're talking about in relation to trying to have the age for screening lowered, a big thing that we're advocating for is listen to your body. Like, listen to if something is wrong. Yeah. Make sure that you go and you listen to what your body is telling you because sometimes it can just be too late. Like, and yeah, I know when. Um... Like, I never saw a lump on my breast or felt a lump. And I know my GP was like, how did you not see it? Because um, once I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was huge. Mm. And the same, under when I looked under my arm, there was a big lump. But I was getting pains in my chest. And I was even doing the shopping and having to stop pushing the trolley. Because when I held my breath, it was, you know, when I breathe it, when that it was really sore and I just thought it was tiredness and stress and work and is this when you were initially diagnosed this is yeah 2016 yeah. yeah it never and then one one day then we thought maybe I was having I'd never said anything to my husband I'd never said anything to anybody so I was getting these chest pains and said no nothing to anybody and then one Sunday they were really bad and um I did say to him and we thought maybe I was having a heart attack and I went to the out of hours doctor. Uh, oh no, then I looked. For some reason, something made me look at my breast and under my arm. Or I looked at my breast first and then decided to look under my arm and I called him up. And then at that stage, it was pretty obvious. You didn't really need the doctor to say that I had breast cancer. So I went to the out of hours doctor and he sent me to Vincent's. Um, and they just referred me back to my GP and she had to refer me back in again. Um, and they gave me painkillers and I drove home totally out of it but um, like the minute I looked you and tell. you just yeah you're getting you're busy and you're getting on with life and at that stage I was working five days a week yeah. and and when you turned 50 did you get a letter to go get your breast screening done no no funnily, cause, no no because no. it was too yeah I was like, just curious if yeah you, no if, I know if some people do because I was, when you have so many people involved in your life Information gets missed. Yeah, no, I've heard. You still people. get an appointment. Like, oh, you need to come and have a mammogram. Oh, well, I've been having them for like six years. So yeah, you're fine. Like, you know. Yeah, so I no, just some wondered. People, some people, I've heard stories of people getting that letter. Um. Yeah, and I was still being asked to do a mammogram from the breast, the surgery surgical team, and then I rang them. And I was like, "This is, you know, I don't need a mammogram. I'm having CT scans and stuff." So yeah. On my right side, so I don't just get a mammogram there. But yeah, listening, and I, like, I think when you're busy, you don't listen to your body. It is something we need to learn as human beings. You just keep, I'll be fine tomorrow. I'll just go to work today and I'll do the dishes and I'll get the kids to bed and everything will be okay tomorrow. And um, I find with our job at, at times, 
you barely had to, when it was busy or chaotic or whatever, there was a crisis, whatever, you barely had time to pee in that day. Never mind, look at your body. Yeah. I felt that there was a bit of that for me. And like, looking back now, I'm like, how do you not see? Like, I, I suppose differently to you, I was diagnosed at stage four. Yeah. So I know I was working in a job for a couple of years with cancer before I even knew. And you think, how the fuck do you get here? Like, how does this happen in Marie? Do you know what I mean? Because you don't listen. Because you just don't know. Like, yeah. And then I think about what I said to you about the news yesterday about ovarian cancer and where there the, are no yeah. there are no signs until it's too late and, and a cervical a cervical test doesn't show it like no. how like that's I just find that so bizarre yeah. like you know and then like if you say to a woman in her fifties that bloating is um, a sign of cancer sure so many women have IBS and so you mm. you know bloating and comes yeah. with the menopause bloating does and yeah. You know, there's so many things that you, if you bloat it, you're not going to go, oh God, I have ovarian cancer. And if you do, then you can think you're a hypochondriac. Yeah. Like, and maybe yeah. I need to go and see a psychologist. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, yeah. but bloating is the first, one of the first signs of ovarian cancer. What's, what strikes me about it is, it's so funny because you say there's no science for ovarian cancer and then a smear test doesn't show it up. So you literally have to go and ask to be sent yeah. for a specific test to test for that. And usually when you ask for these things from a GP, they're like, well, actually you don't show symptoms. So well, why would we? Yeah. 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 Why would we refer you? It's just using resources. But really, if that's going to help your peace of mind or God, it could save your life. Like Because a lot of women, no, I, I can't remember the exact statistics yesterday because I was a bit mind blown by the whole piece. Um, but women do die every year from mm. ovarian cancer because it's got too late. That's I think we're although we're not lucky, Anne Marie, we were lucky in the sense that yeah, there is got, screening. Yeah, we didn't get asylum cancer. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, there's no reason for your doctor to send you for, you know, a screening for ovarian cancer unless you are having very regular bleeding or I suppose that would be another symptom. But then again, in menopause years, that's regular ble- bleeding is. No, I know. Um, so there's, you know, yeah. Can I ask you a question then, just because I'm interested for, as well on my own perspective. When you initially were diagnosed and then you were cancer-free as far as you were, were concerned, and then you were cancer-free for a period of time, how paranoid were you about it coming back? Oh, I, I wasn't. You weren't? You were? No, no, okay. I'm not. I'm a worrier in some ways, but... No, I wasn't. I knew when I was back, I knew it was back. I know once I saw that, once I noticed the thing in my eye, I knew that was it. And I was 100%, you know, I just knew. Whereas, but up to that, no, I didn't really. See, my, the consultant. Like sometimes I felt I was, I remember being upset one time and going, I know I'm sick. I know I'm not well. Just one time when I was really tired and worn out. Um, I don't know. I kind of knew it was on its way back. Really? But I was never... I've never been that kind of... Worry. I've never been checking for lumps or... Yeah. I've never been that type of person. That's just not my... Mm. Even now, I wouldn't be checking or wondering or looking. I, I don't get a huge amount of scan... Scanxiety. Okay. <laughs> um... So I'm not, that's just not, yeah, but I did, 
I think I knew when it was on its way back, it was on its way back. I just wasn't feeling Great. I knew there was something up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember I had to have my liver resection done in a different hospital under a different consultant mm. who specialises in the liver, um, Dr. Keneally, and he was so thorough in his explanation. And I'd been attending oncology for months and I got more from him in 20 minutes than I did in the whole time I'd been in oncology. And the one thing that sticks with me that he said that obviously will make me think going forward is, so 3% of people can be cured from metastatic bowel cancer, mm. right? Which metastatic means that it's spread, Right. What happens is they've removed all the tumours from my liver and the hope is they're going to do the same with my rectum because mm. it's not in my up in my bowel. It's in very low down in my rectum. Yeah. So the plan is that they're going to remove that. But he said to me, and it sticks with me, is we are under no illusion that there's microscopic pieces yeah. of cancer within your body that we haven't got the technology to find. So, you know, hence why it returns. So that was the, the situation with me. And what they said to me when I was leaving was, to the best of our knowledge, you were now yeah. cancer free. So it was very like to the best of our knowledge. So there was no physical evidence that I had cancer. Yeah. But it was obviously some little, Tiny I think them little, little men, so it was yeah. some little fecker. That they just can't life. find, which is yeah. unfortunate. But yeah. that sticks with me because that the chemo I, didn't get. Yeah. Because I was on very, I know you mentioned in your first um, podcast, the chemo that breast cancer women with breast cancer it's a very strong chemo it like is yeah hair comes out nearly straight away and you're very, I was very sick and it thrown into menopause like it's yeah completely different to what um, I experienced so you would think it would kill everything yeah but obviously there's little tiny little yeah. fuckers that are still there you know and actually one of the questions that I had for you Anne-Marie was so you said that when you were diagnosed they told you that you had a gene you have the crass gene crass gene that, that's yeah, right that Basically, your body creates protein in yeah. my body. Like yeah. my dad's whole family, um, uh, and I won't, I won't. I'll just explain it really quickly. All my dad's siblings have died of some form of cancer, different yeah. forms: breast, kidney, bowel. To my knowledge, because we we're estranged, yeah. we don't. And I mentioned that to my oncologist, and he had the gene test done, and it turned out that I, I, it's not even from my dad's family is the reason why I have this gene called the crass mutation. Okay. And apparently it's the protein in your body gives is giving me the has given me the cancer, yeah. you know? Um, which I I have I don't Google Latin memory, so I'm not massively aware yeah, of I'm exactly. Not very informed really about anything. Yeah. Mine is um mine is estrogen positive, so it's a female hormone, but it's not hereditary. I have had the test for hereditary I don't know. Genetics. Yeah, yeah. about ten different genes. Um and because that would impact my treatment and also I have a few nieces so it was good to know for them mm-hmm. um, and my grandmother my dad's mum no my dad is 90 and she died in her late 30s or, or no in her early 40s when he was 13 so she's she's dead a long time but she died of breast cancer so but it's not linked to her it's just coincidence okay so it was just when you obviously they told you that you to the best of our knowledge you were cancer free but it was obviously something that was still kind of lurking there that yeah made but it so mute. absolutely yeah, tiny, tiny that you wouldn't yeah yeah, yeah and um, i was on i was then on on medication to to um to get rid of that the estrogen in my body okay. so um i was you stay on that medication for 10 years um, for people who have had up to stage three when it doesn't come back so you're even after having breast cancer if you're 
to the best of my knowledge, if to the best of your knowledge, you're cancer free, you still, and you've had hormone positive, or you've had estrogen positive cancer, you take this drug for 10 years, and that keeps you, keeps the estrogen out of your um, body. Okay. And so everything that was possibly done to keep me cancer free was done, it's just unfortunate. There's no rhyme or reason to it except for bad luck really I suppose little fuckers like yeah. little, like those do you ever see those pictures of the little coronas you know coro- you know the coronavirus and they have the little germ for the corona yeah I think it's that's nearly what you're yeah, like fucking jumping around yeah. your body and you're like trying to blast them all but you just unfortunately so that sticks with me because I'm like yeah okay they're going to tell me you're cancer free but in the back of my mind I'll be thinking there well, is always a chance there is always a chance because of these little things yeah, that they don't you just, see I suppose have to use the power of your mind not to let that yeah because if it controls yeah then you're because then anybody like ed can get cancer any of us can get cancer any like obviously there's more of a chance if you've had it once that you're going to get it again but that's i suppose what happens now at stage four with chemo is the the cancer outwits the chemo that's why you keep changing medication so um i'll come off this the no one chemo keeps working so the chemo i'm on might be working now but then the cancer cells go, ha I have you. I know what you're doing, how to kill me now. So I'm going to grow and you're not going to be good enough. So, wow. Yeah, this is my fourth line of treatment, I think, since I was diagnosed stage four. So the cancer outwits the chemo and then they change you onto a different chemo. And then the cancer outwits it and they change you onto a different chemo. And that's how they, they keep going. So until there's no, what they say, until there's no treatment options. Or until it gets the stage, which I could imagine happening for plenty of people where you just can't cope with chemo anymore. Does it, it, like something that I'm quite fascinated about is you've obviously said that this round of chemo for you is a lot harder than your first round. Yeah. and the, Does and it get harder for you or yeah, has it gotten easier? No. I like this is the same get easier, easier, but it's, um, I don't know, Janice. My oncologist had a good way of explaining it. But your body gets tired. Like I've been through so much. Like, yeah, your body, I'm not as strong physically as I was. I'm a lot more tired. I don't, I'm skinnier. Um, and they say that we, like, no, the, the chemo is killing the cancer cells, but it's also killing your good cells. Hence why we get low immune systems, low white blood cells. Yeah. There's only so much of that. So your body's like a ping pong. It's good, it's bad, it's good. You know, it's low, like low white cells, and then you've got an infection, and then it comes back up. Like my oncologist told me on Friday, straight out, she said, because um, I was saying, look, I really want to get this liver scan done because I haven't had a drink of alcohol. I don't drink genuinely, but I haven't had a drink of alcohol since I've had since before my liver resection. I really want to go out and have a nice drink, but I want to see my CT and see what my liver looks like. And she looked at me and she looked at the computer and she looked at me and she said, of everybody I've seen today, your bloods are perfect. Like I, they're the most ideal set of bloods to look at. Yeah. So go and have a glass of wine. But I still wouldn't because I want to see my CT scan. Do you know? What I mean? Yeah. Because that's so, the way yeah, I am. Like yeah. you know. I've never had. I think. Like I've had, despite the being sick, I've never really had a very low immune system. The first time I chemo, I did have one infection, um, but um, I've no taste for alcohol i've taken to having a gin and tonic yeah um 
I buy it, a can of gin and tonic. Oh yeah. Um, but I can't drink red wine or I used to, I love pints of Guinness. I can't drink Guinness. Like I'm craving to go out and have a pint of Bud Shandy. No, I don't drink generally, but I love like Budweiser Shandy. I'm so, so, such a, such a lightweight. Mm. But I think I drink it in about 10 seconds. That's how much I want it. Yeah. But I want my scan and I want to see my liver. And like my oncology nurse said to me, oh, but you had a scan in February. I was like, well, I had a scan two weeks after my surgery because I had sepsis. There was a lot of trauma. What I was told was there was a lot of trauma to my liver at that point and they couldn't tell me how well the surgery had gone so this ct scan that's coming up in the next week or two i'm so excited which sounds silly but i just want to know how my liver looks yeah see and, how it yeah and like are those six tumors they've removed are they gone yeah and that there's no more there is my hope like, yeah you know but i just want that point so as soon as she gives me the results i'm gonna go and You're have gonna a point. For a point. <laughs> even though i don't really drink yeah but, but it's been told you can't have something yeah you, that's you want, want like yeah, yeah. um Something that obviously you were talking talking about that is pain. So you're you talking you've been talking a bit about your pain and the pain you feel. And I know it it'll be different for everyone because everyone has different stages of cancer and different types of cancer and it affects different parts of your body. But how I'm just intrigued of how does the pain what does it feel like? Does it is it I'm glad Ed, I have no idea how is, to explain it. Yeah, because like, I've always like because people always say like, oh I, because I get pains, like I get pains in my body and like, obviously I don't know what they are. I just assume they're from, I, maybe I was too strenuous. I lifted something I should have lifted or something. I know like when I had my liver resection, I don't take, I won't even take it. To, like I'm really bad. They keep prescribing me tramadol and I won't take it. Because my friend told me stories about how she couldn't feel the floor under her feet mm. and her phone was like lab and stuff. And I'm like, no. But when I had my liver resection, I will never forget the pain. And the fact that I was taking Oxynorm and Oxycontin for somebody who doesn't take anything will tell you how severe the pain was. Um, and there's times when you feel, I don't know whether it's the same for you, but there was times, Ed, when I was in that much pain that I was like, do I really want to go on? Like it's so, like it's a split moment of, of a thaw, but you just, you're so like, but I didn't know that I had sepsis. Like I couldn't even move in the bed, the fucking, the pain was more mm. like I, I can't even describe it like and then not even the sepsis was why I went to hospital I had this pain in my collarbone you can see the wire here goes into my collarbone so that's my port mm. and that's my um wire going in into my collarbone and the clot five centimeter clot was in here so I couldn't sleep because I couldn't move my neck and the the it started off like when I swallowed one side of my neck hurt and I rang my GP and got a prescription for an antibiotic to get rid of the sore throat yeah. that wasn't a sore throat because by, by the Sunday on the Friday my my infection markers were 68 and on, on the Friday they were 68 and by the Sunday they were 168 and that was with two days of antibiotics so there was a clot here and there was sepsis here and I had COVID all at the one time and there was points where I was like could this get any worse and I remember going into my oncologist with Carl he'll tell you and sat down I just had my liver resection, I think about four weeks before, and I cried and I said, if I'd have known now what I knew, am I saying that? If I'd have known then what I know now, I wouldn't, have I wouldn't have had that liver resection. And he looked at me and he said, really, Linda? And I was crying, like talking through tears. And I said, I might feel different in six months, but right now the trauma still stays with me mm. from that. Like, and the pain, oh, the pain, like I'll never forget so it is it's very hard to describe the pain yeah and that's pain from surgery and 
I suppose the type of pain I'd have would be bony pain from the mm. cancer in my bones. Like an arthritis pain? Worse? Like, I, see, I... No, it's not like arthritis. Not that I'm minimising saying it's... it's yeah, yeah, like the one that brought me into hospital when the when Janice took me in and I was um, diagnosed with the cancer in my liver and I had to go in IV. Like, I was up out of bed every night walking the floor. Um, with the lung? With the lung, yeah. Um and now I suppose it's never too bad because I, I do take OxyContin every day on a daily basis, which yeah. I can't believe I'm doing. Um, are they the little orange and... Yeah, pink and blue. Um, and then I have a liquid one to take for a breakthrough pain. Um, and then I take Nurofen. Um, and again, prior to that, I would have, like, Salpidine and I'd be anybody's, you know. Um, <laughs> so... You know, I just be vomiting, talking about vomiting. If I take salpidine, I'm throwing up everywhere. Yes. Can't, can't take them. But um, yeah, you do what you have to do, and it means if I can get like if if I'm not, I'm sleeping now, um, rather than walking the floors of pain, and um, so all it's about now is is being in good form for my husband and my kids, mm. um, so you don't. Like the thoughts of, oh, I'm taking OxyContin and OxyNorm and they're addictive and I shouldn't be taking them. And I'm, I don't give two hoots. I'll take anything once it means I'm available for my kids. That's so your whole, yes. even the being, I remember saying to a friend out in the back garden before I got the, before I started back in the IV chemo saying I would never go back on IV chemo ever. And even if it meant it would give me an extra six months, I wouldn't go back in it. The minute Janice said to me about going back on IV chemo, I was like, right, we can start now. Mm. It's like, here's my yeah. arm, give it to me. Like I do, it's very different when you're in this situation. Um, so I do anything I can do to remain well enough to um, be at home with my kids and stay alive. Yeah. And that's something that we talk, mm. we've talked about a lot is the ripple effect that the disease has on yeah, not just, it's not yeah. just on you. It it ripples oh, no. out, and like it's, it's such a even that as I said, being sick. Sure, my husband felt it more than me. Like it's a much like we're dealing with it day to day and just getting on with. But it's a much. It's I think it's for my husband and my two boys. Yeah, it's a million times worse. I think well, not not my boys. They don't know the whole. In they know a lot. They don't know everything. Um, but they've been through enough for two little boys like um but for my husband yeah it's horrific um for my parent my parents have recently just aged quite a lot but prior to that for them to see your daughter for my brother's friends yeah it's much like at least we're caught up in it and they were dealing with it but to be an onlooker and to be so powerless and and they look at us and go that's why are you not crying? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, now, I've course. become a real crier, like, I'm over the last crier, months. Yeah. I am. Like, I walked to the shop this morning and back and, like, was crying for no reason. Yeah. For no reason, because I'm overwhelmed, like, but... And I get upset, like, so much where you... Oh, I don't even know why I'm crying. This is all... Anyway, like, you don't get upset. I no, which isn't healthy either. Do you know, I'd be better off being more able to express myself. And, so and I cry for everybody else, not for me. Yeah. Because, like, we were talking yesterday about communions, and I, I don't know who it was, the first time I've ever said this, and I said to my friends, please, God, because Lola and Jaden make the communion and confirmation next year, and I was like, please, God, 
I'm here, like, where that yeah. never even entered my mind two yeah. years ago, like, you know, so I don't even know I'm crying. Such a fucking Well, that's good enough reason to be crying. You know, it's those yeah. crap things. And, but then everyone else is like, why are you working? I was working for about two years with cancer and I was working to my, like, the hardest probably ever. I didn't know, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So what's the difference now? Um, you know? And I have stopped working, which has been really difficult for me just because I couldn't. It got to the stage where I was late every day and then I was getting sick and I wasn't able to come in. And um, I work with people and have to, like Linda, I have to be able to give 110%. Um, I, I work a step down on the child protection thing from Linda. So um, there isn't really office work and stuff. You know, you're, you're, I meet with people um and I'd say every Wednesday and I can't guarantee that I can do that um, and yeah just got to the stage where I just couldn't do it anymore um, so I'm, I've run out of sick pay um, now um, so I've retired and that's been a huge psychological blow because and again like Linda I went to college in my 30s and went to college to get me out of the poverty trap and was very much proud of what we do. Very proud of what of myself that I, you know, gone to Trinity College and I hadn't done my leaving cert, left school without my leaving cert, and here I was getting a degree in Trinity. Um, and was extremely happy in my job, my current job. Really, and very, can I just say, very good at it too. Really, really, really happy. Um, Whereas working a great team and um, cancer has taken all that away from me. So I. Resentment. Yeah, I'd be quite, I suppose, again, I'm not a crier and so I'm not a big emotion person, but probably quite angry about that. that Because um, it's. Happened. And the financial thing of all the, if I was working five days a week, all the things I'd be able to give my boys that I can't. And I was the main, again, like Linda, I think, the main earner. Um, my husband does have a job, but I, I, I had the better job. Um, but and yeah, um, it takes years to like. It takes a few years to like, when I went in to the job. I started like it's not great money. It's all right money, but it's not great. Like and it's like I'm nine years there now, and I'm on a good wage but it, yeah. it takes a while to get there like so not only do we go to Trinity and we get a degree and we we work our asses off to get a degree and we go in and we start we don't start at the bottom because it's not a crap wage, but we have to work every, like we yeah. get an increment every year that brings us up. So we have to work to get to where we earn in a good wage. And then we get fucked over by some little... Cancer cells. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? That are smaller than us, but then are bigger than us because yeah. here we are, like, you know? But um, having said that, um, my boys have me at home all the time now, which is great as well. I don't think they'd be, they'd be like, remember when you, because there was one stage where, I did work quite hard and wasn't always home. Now, I don't, like, I was home on, on time most times, but they remember the times I wasn't home. So I got there, like, I remember you were never home in time. We'd be going to bed and we, you'd be coming home, like, when they were little. Um, I was like, I didn't, I was always home before you went. Well, I was you used to collect them from school every day, though, didn't you? I did. I took, because um, I remember half, you used yeah. to, yeah. I took half a day parental leave a week to take give me yeah. that extra time at lunchtime to pick them up and leave them up to the minders. Um, but yeah, we're having a great time together now. And then there's was the sadness with that that I won't be around forever. But um, 
So she can think no matter what, she can think of the positives. There's always positives. So the positives of not working is that I'm there with the boys, you know, um, which is great. Even when they don't want to somewhere once, you know, there's times when they're like, she'd go and I want to just watch something and she keeps talking to me like, you Yeah, know? I but think they might have forgotten that I worked even, you know, they're used to me really. Yeah. Not forgotten that I work with them. I think if I was. Do you miss work though? Do you miss? Oh yeah. 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 Really miss it. And the, the big part of it is the social aspect, isn't it? Yeah. Not going out to the pub, but just having the chats and work. Like the couple of seeing break the people, and yeah. lunchtime. And or just leaning on someone or someone leaning on you. You um, know, it's those things as well. That And I miss the work, I have to say. Yeah. I do really miss it. We're the suckers there, aren't we? <laughs> I really miss the work. Like I was really getting into it. I was really getting to a stage where I was. Uh, I have to try figure out how I can manage my emotions because I was in work last week out of the meeting and then someone got started to go upset and I, straight away my I could feel myself about to cry because they were crying and I was there biting my tongue going you can't cry in the meeting like stop it you know what I mean and I said to my team leader afterwards I actually nearly cry. I need to now learn how to kind of try push it down yeah, a bit yeah. because I can't forget no no I didn't get upset obviously yeah, yeah. but inside I did and I was like oh my god I'm gonna have to sort myself out because if I burst into tears in the meeting, I'd look like a right twat. No, not be, And it wouldn't be professional either, like, well, you know? I think if it happens once in a while, you can just say to your... I'd die. I'd be like, what yeah, am I no, doing? I think it, it just shows your clients are human as yeah. well. Like, obviously, it can't be happening I had just time, forgotten, like, that, you know? it just show the people you're working with that you're I human, think, like... I think, I know you came back to work a couple of months after you were diagnosed initially, didn't you? Yeah, I came back before the radiotherapy started. So I came back, um, I think I came back four weeks after my breast surgery. Yeah. I had two was... weeks and then we went away to Spain for a week and then I came back, yeah. So, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The distraction's great though. Oh, like work, I was busy yeah. last week, you know, busy to an extent where I wasn't overwhelmingly busy. But at one stage I felt myself get a little bit anxious and I had to step away for five minutes because... It was just one thing that had me in a little bit of a thing. But at the same time, that lump that I found in my tummy the previous Saturday, the day the, the day we were going for the mountain walk mm. was the day I found the lump in my tummy. I was able to get through the whole week without really thinking about that. Yeah, because you kept work. me yeah. busy. And that's what I like about it. It's a distraction away from the cancer is there. It's not going anywhere, no. you know, but I don't have to live it every minute of every day yeah. because I'm distracted by other stuff that I'm doing. I like that. Yeah, no, I don't know how long I like that for, but right now, no, and I miss that as well. But then again, I am. I there be very few days where I'm at home. I seem to be, even though I'm not working. Social I butterfly. I just, yeah, I just seem to be doing things all the yeah, time, which yeah. is good. Yeah. yeah, and and I think the important thing is that at your pace and not at a pace where yeah. we're not able, like exactly. you know, like I've taught once or twice. I'm only back and working once, and I've taught taught once or twice. What am I doing? Like, mm. am I really able, you know, on the tired days? Yeah, and I know, like, a friend will like, go walking with saying that for a few times, I'm not sure I'm able for this, and then come to the decision that I'm not able for it. And it was really, really hard. I but would I say, knew, yeah. I just knew I couldn't. I couldn't give a quality service. And, you know, yeah, I couldn't be in on time. I couldn't, I just couldn't. And how was your, your management I oh suppose. wonderful beyond yeah. wonderful yeah, yeah. which is nice isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely beyond like I'm fabulous I'm still yeah. very much part of the team I still consider myself yeah. part of the team it's a very small team um, I think what I learned really quickly because I love my job love it like I do even on the bad days I, but I learned really quickly I'm only a number 
and I will be replaced. And unfortunately, yeah, that's the well, reality. we do need to remember that yeah, that we're not. Yeah. Um. So no matter what, like someone will take my seat when I leave. Yeah. Like you know, but you're not only a number to your manager. No, no, not no. I mean, but to the actual to any job. Yeah, we're all only in, we're all replaceable. Yeah, this thing of like words, I have yeah. to go to work because I have to pay the bills. Yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like you, that's a load of baloney. Anybody can do the job. You don't have to go to work. Um. So one of the things that I'm always quite interested by is like, how do you? Because I, if it ever happened to me, which touch wood it doesn't, but obviously you can never be too sure. And like. Yeah. I don't know how I would deal with it. I don't know how I would talk about it. Um, obviously, your way of dealing with it, as you said earlier, is you, you cry a lot. And that's fine. And that's your outlet. And that's that's good. And you use podcasts as your outlet and stuff like that. My how, Instagram. Yeah, and your Instagram. Amory, how do you find kind of talking about um, cancer and stuff like that? Because you are a lot more private around it than I would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be very different from Linda. Um and I don't, I do talk about it because it is so much part of my life now. And so people I see a lot of, and I go, God, I'm talking about it again. I'm talking about it again. But again, it is, it is my life. It's not my life. I have lots of things in my life, but it's a huge part of my life. So I can't help talking about it. Um, but what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was just like, how do you f- feel how talking I feel? about I don't mind talking about it at all. It doesn't upset me. Um, and because I'm not that emotional about it, um, I can talk about it. So I talk about it on a very practical level or a very... Um, Makes me jealous that I cry so much and you don't and I wish I didn't. <laughs> and I wish I could cry more because I think it would be more healthy to cry yeah. a bit more, do you know? And like, never happy. Um, no, we're never happy. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind talking about it. But I, but even if it's not cancer, no matter what it is, I'm I'm a, I'm a quiet person, mm. and um, I don't talk much about anything personal. So um, yeah, it's just the same as anything else. And then it is just recently, you know, work and stuff. I have, I'm not working at the moment as a social worker, but I still am a social worker. I'm a mother. I'm a partner. I'm a sister. I'm a potter. I have another job. Um. And I fundraised for a pottery studio in our garden last year. I did a GoFundMe. Um, and unfortunately, I'm doing very little pottery at the moment. But I do have a pottery in my garden. So when I have energy, that's a big part of my life. So I have that as well. I forgot about that. This stuff's beautiful. Like, so she makes all like bowls and vases. And yeah, beautiful, I, was like. a, I was a production potter before. I was a social worker. Um, so life is busy. Like It's not like cancer is... It's it's certainly, as I said, I do talk about it a lot, or I talk about being tired, or that I didn't do anything today, or fed up or whatever. So it does come in a lot, but I do have a lot of other stuff going on. I have a lot of hot, like I have a dog and I love walking, and I up until October I was see like this time last year I see swimming twice a year. I took it up in the. Well, I always swam in the sea, but I took it up like so many other people in the pandemic. Um, but when I got sick this year, I stopped. So I've only just started getting back in. But I'm out with the... I'm going back out to the beach with the girls. So I'm really busy. Like Yeah, Yeah, because a, a big thing that you were saying is it's not just 
it, cancer is not, not just it's just one little thing of you like you're still a mother you're still yeah. obviously you're still worked in the only thing you, is you have to you cancer doesn't live its life around you you, you have to live your life around cancer yeah. that's the only thing so you're not fully in control of your life you have to do the things that you can do when you're feeling well enough so I'm always well with chemo and I hate saying that because I, I, I'm grateful because a lot of people aren't. Yeah. And yeah, I do have, like, I do feel a bit crap, but nothing that would, I would be really unwell with. So, you know, I've been very lucky, but then I had the whole of January and February that went by in yeah, the blink of an eye surgery. surgery yeah. And it's coming again. Mm. And I'm getting anxious about that. Yeah. And I can't remember the question you asked because it just went off on the tangent. I was just saying that it's, it's, you were obviously saying that Cancer is just one thing yeah. in your life, and you yeah. still have, you're still so this many person because you just you don't just... want that to defeat you. So mm. you will push and push and push, and cancer will push one way, and you'll push the other as long as your body and your mind can do yeah, that. Yeah, and you don't want it to not yeah. only defeat you but define yeah. you, who you are. I certainly don't want cancer to define who I am, and I find that very hard. As well. And that's. And I know it's a huge bit of breast cancer, especially for women. And I don't, it's not a, a wanting to, to, to upset anywhere and think with that whole thing of that recovery thing, like, oh, you know, I got cancer. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And now I live a really, you know, because so many people do recover, say, from breast cancer. Um, and that that language of battle and I'm battling cancer and she defeated cancer and she got out you know I hate that part of it as well and does it mean then that people like me who who recovered from breast cancer and then it came back or am I weaker than somebody else who who um I get that completely never got it again you know and the whole pink you know the and I know um the Irish Cancer Society, Marie Keating, have done a lot of work on getting rid of that pink thing with breast cancer. You know, breast cancer is not just pink. It's like this, like, ooh, you know, you get breast I actually, when I first had breast cancer, I was saying to people, Asher, isn't it just like having a bad flu? Every, so many people get it. Mm. And it was that kind of attitude, oh, you, you know, even the surgeon said, give me six months of your life and you'll be fine. But you're not. After chemo, you're never okay not that you're never okay but it takes years for your body to recover whereas I expected myself after six months to be back totally fine and fabulous and um just like as if I'd never have cancer so that kind of not only that you don't want cancer to define you but that thing that you have to be battling and brave and in terms of when you're talking about it, that you don't have to use all that. You don't have to be, it doesn't like, so Linda being upset that she's crying. It's okay to cry. It's mm. shit. Cancer is mm. shit. And we are all human. Like, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible disease and it kills people. Um, like I found myself thinking yesterday when I was in bed, sorry for a couple of crashes. God, they found the cure for AIDS. Why can't they can't find the cure for cancer? Mm. Like I'd never think like that, you know? Yeah. But when you're in it, but they They're, are, and they are trying, but it's just, is, it's just taken, yeah. It is, it's a, it's a strange, and it is a strange thing because there is this kind of like, this cross to bear with it, like, like you said, like, oh, you have to kind of, it's all about the fight and you can't mm. have bad moments and you need to kind of 
the feed and stuff like that yeah. when in reality we have bad days like everyone has yeah. bad days and it's just sometimes people people with cancer their bad days are worse because they've got this disease and they're trying to and you can't be 100% all the time and I think that, that yeah. that's a big thing that yeah, everyone assumes do you know if the cancer if you die of cancer you haven't lost a battle do you know it's not because you're a weaker person or there just seems to be this thing that the can't that do you know you weren't strong enough to fight you weren't it, like, strong enough to fight it yeah, yeah. If you beat it you're a fighter and nearly that you're weak in the first place to get it was because mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. or you got too stressed or you were didn't eat the right food and you I know, remember saying to one of my team leaders um like I've always been like an anxious kind of stressy person and she was like, Linda, it's a lot of hard luck, bad luck as well. Yeah. Like, it's not just because you were stressed and you're an anxious person. Like, no, it, it's, it's just not. bad it's not luck. Because, yeah. It's not because you ate the wrong food or it's not because you didn't go yeah. jumping in the sea, even though I jump in the sea. It's not because you didn't. Yeah. Because the healthiest of people get cancer. Yeah. And the not so healthiest people get cancer. It's, yeah. it's just the way the coin flips. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, Anne-Marie, I, said, I, don't, I think we said this on the podcast if an oncologist had came to me and said, Linda, you've got stage four lung cancer, I'd have said, okay, because I was a smoker and yeah. I love to smoke and I miss me cigarettes yeah. so bad and I'm not promoting smoking, but look. Yeah, no, I was um, a smoker. So well. when it was like bowel cancer, I was like, well, why, when, how, you know, like, why are we here? So there's all of that as well. So yeah, it's... Um, I gave up smoking 13 years ago and when I got cancer first, I go, was it the cigarettes or... Oh, so, you know, you do, I certainly, when I got cancer first, I did kind of blame myself thinking, mm. what did I do? You know, is this my fault because I was not a strong enough person, but it's yeah, not. No. It really isn't. Um, and I know you said earlier to us that obviously your journey with cancer now, it's, it's in a lot of your body now. So it's kind of like, it's just managing the treatment is just managing it yeah and how like how do you find kind of coping with that whole idea of this is yeah I don't like do you ever think about that oh of course I do I think about it every day Mm. yeah um and I don't know how I manage it um I just do um yeah like it pops into my head almost every day that you know in a few years I'll be gone um and my children won't have a mother and Rob won't have a partner. Um now there could be I know there's always is a hope there'd be a new treatment, like that there is I I never give up hope um that some new treatment won't come come along. Um so I don't know how I of course I think about it, yeah. I but I and I don't know how I don't know how I cope with it is except that I do. And again I'm a very practical person. Um, myself and my husband were with the social worker this morning. Um, Labourers are doing a bit of work there, sorry, <laughs> by the looks of it. Sounds a bit. Sounds a bit. Um, the, the social worker on the palliative care team like talking about that, about, you know, doing planning and stuff like that. And uh, Rob finds that hard, whereas I kind of want to have, and I know plans will change, but I kind of want to have everything planned for the end and stuff. So it's, I can put that to bed. But that's my um sorry. That's my um just my practical practical way of things. But yeah, I, I think about it every day. Um, and can I just say, just sorry Ed, when I was first ever diagnosed, my 
my lack of knowledge went to me straight away thinking about memory boxes and writing letters yeah, and doing yeah. cards initially when I was diagnosed and getting really caught up in all of that because I assumed I was going to die because I was and stage when four. I was diagnosed first is when I was in hospital when I got when my back was sore from the trampoline that's exactly what I was thinking oh god we have to get the boys to play therapist oh god I'm gonna die like when the next and here I still am two years later like yeah um and could be still here in five years time that's the thing it's unknown it's the hardest know, thing isn't it like could be gone six months could be gone a year could be gone five years mm. just don't know. just don't know yeah can i ask what the conversation was so when you were originally told that i'm, I'm sure your oncologist probably sat down with you and said listen this is where yeah. it's at and stuff like that Kind of because I remember you telling me the feeling of when you were told you were diagnosed, your feeling of you were just telling jokes, and Carl was the one that was really affected mm. by it. Like Carl, I was telling the, the oncologist he looked like Ruby Walt. Not that he wasn't an oncologist, Doctor Larkins, a cons- uh, Bell consultant, he's not yeah. an oncologist, and he did, gave me my diagnosis. And I said, "Don't anyone ever tell you you look like Ruby Walt?" Carl was in the toilet vomiting. Like that's yeah. the difference, mm. you know. So, so just kind of my question is like how. How did you deal with that mo- kind of that moment of? I suppose because, um, it didn't. It didn't like. I had the CT scan, so the CT scans were cancelled, and then my oncology nurse, Mullet, got me a CT scan, and then I rung to see the results, and she said they're not. It's not signed off yet. Janice will give you a call tomorrow, um, and. Then Janice did phone. Once Janice phoned, I knew there was something wrong because mm-hmm. Janice doesn't phone you unless there's something. Someone else on the team will. <laughs> yeah. So Is Janice, she a professor? She's Professor yeah, Walsh. Yeah. yeah, I should call her Professor Walsh. So Professor Walsh phoned and um, said that they could see something on my spine, on my lung, and would I come in? Um, so that was a Thursday. So I went in on the Monday. And then um, I had very enthusiastic um, junior doctors dealing with me who were all excited with the idea of this um, sympathetic nerve thing and were kind of letting cats out of the bags, which I said to Janice after, you know, they were saying about cancer. Um, uh, so it wasn't, it was very gradual. It wasn't like there was some big conversation where they sat me down. I know for Linda it was different because you thought you might have Crohn's disease or... Like I, I was um, I was asked to come in on a Friday and meet with the bell consultant yeah. I didn't know that I was going to oncology because yeah. I didn't know anything so I went in to see this bell consultant and they kept saying bring your husband bring your husband so you know like but I didn't know that I was going straight to see an oncologist and that will forever be like that scared me so much I'll never forget that experience but yeah like it was a, like it wasn't that I was being sent straight to oncology I was with a consultant and then all of a sudden I was going to this oncology ward. What? Like, where? Yeah, I still was more, it was much more gradual. So I wasn't, I went, when, yeah, when the end of the week came and we saw Professor Walsh, like when I was going home and um, she's like, they couldn't biopsy the bone, it was too small. So did I want, want a lung biopsy or did I want to just wait to see did it grow? And I was like, no, no, I want a lung biopsy. So I was coming back then for the lung biopsy. Um, 
So it wasn't it wasn't um a hundred percent at that stage. Mm-hmm. And then I had the lung biopsy on myself and Rob went in to see her in her clinic. And when we were walking down the corridors, well, I don't have any good news for you. And I was like, oh, you know, that's what I expected. And um, or when we walked into the room, she said that. And she's like, she said, well, I was hopeful that it wasn't cancer, you know, so she still had that hope. So it was very, that was two weeks after I'd, or maybe, yeah, more than two weeks after I'd first spoken to her on the phone. So there was no big shock or no big thing like that but where the the I'm going to die but where I was thinking about the memory box and the, for the boys and stuff that was unfortunately one of the junior doctors before I saw um, Professor Walsh did say to me that because um there was nothing in my brain they'd done a brain scan um to explain um the the thing in my eye that it was definitely lung cancer. Now he shouldn't have said that, mm. and um, he was spoken to for saying it. So that's when I remember ringing my older brother and saying, "Oh God, what are we going to do? And how am I going to tell?" Like, there's no way a junior doctor should have said that to me. Yeah. So that was before I got the news from Professor Walsh. But um, yeah, I always, like I said, I always suspected. I always knew. Mm. So there was no big shock like there was for Linda. And the first diagnosis of the breast cancer show, I saw the lump and I saw the lump under my arm. So I, you didn't. But were you still shocked it. when they said it was? No, no, no I knew. You we're know, so different. Sounds <laughs> we really. Um, if you looked up the lump that was on my breast, if you googled breast cancer and look, you know, has it described it? It was exactly okay. Like it was about that size. Okay. And it was, you know, it was you could see it. Like when I took off my top, you could see it. Yeah. Um. When I lifted my arm up, there was a lozenger-shaped yeah. lump under my arm. Okay. Um. Because people were going, "Oh, I had a lump in my breast, which is fatty tissue," and I was like, "Yeah, I've got a lozenger-shaped lump under my arm as well." So. Yeah. Because I, when my second Charlie's nineteen now, but when she was born, I didn't breastfeed any of my children, but I got an abscess in my breast because my breast from my breast duct from a milk duct. Sorry. Yeah. And I had to go to the whole breast clinic within St James's. And they just cut it open and, and like it gauzed it and a nurse came out every um for a couple of days to you know change the yeah. gauze. But we didn't know at the time it was very painful though. It was an abscess, so you can imagine it was painful. Mm. But we tried antibiotics, drained it, nothing worked. So we had to cut it open. But I didn't know that that wasn't anything sinister. I was yeah. only 20, 25, 26 at the time. So yeah, like, I don't know where I was going with that, but that was just my experience of a lump in my breast. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, and I don't think I would have ever thought of cancer at that age because yeah. I was young, like, but now I know it doesn't matter about the age at all, like, so. Yeah, no, what I had was very much, I just knew. Mm-hmm. There was, it was very, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's like, the, I was on one of our podcasts, I was saying about the day that I left here to have my colonoscopy, I'm usually worried, like I would be, I'd have a lot of medical anxiety, not so much now that I'm mm. actually sick, but when I wasn't, and the day I left here for the colonoscopy, I went on my own, and I felt all right, like I didn't feel like anything was going to come back, Yeah. and then I had this whole fucking thing, thing like, you know, so you just said no, like. It's just everyone's experience is different. Yeah, and exactly, there's no two experiences the same, everybody's experience is very different. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of, that's the end of the episode. Is there anything you want to ask us, sir? Yeah. 
Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it was nice to talk to you. Um, just, yeah, to say again that, that even living with cancer, and we've talked about nothing, only cancer really for the last hour, but there is more life. Than now, I wanted to ask you actually before more. we, yeah. before we finished your 50, if you went away somewhere nice I seen, where was that you went? I did lots of, because I, I wouldn't be a big um, party person. I went to Clare with um, a load of friends, um, camping or glamping, and we went sea swimming and stuff. I went to Spain with the boys to Seville. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, for a week. You were in a boat? Yeah. In a boat, yeah. And then I did various, like I did dinner with my the two families. I did various dinners out then. Yeah, I did big, I... Um, Again, if I hadn't had cancer, I probably would have done nothing for my 50th, but yeah. because I... I know, had, it just looked amazing when I seen you at the yeah, ball, and I was yeah. like, oh, she's having the time for her life. Like. Because I had, um, because I had cancer, I did lots of things. So there, you know, yeah. um, it's funny though, Seville was the first time that my husband really copped on that I wasn't well. Because okay. I'd usually plan everything and I'd be up and out and come on, we're going, going. And he wanted to go here, there and everywhere. And I wasn't able. And it was quite upsetting for him. Like I was. Nobody else would have noticed. Yeah. But I very much wasn't myself. My Miss Bossy self going like, we're going here, there and everywhere. Okay. Just like, no, I'm tired. I can't. I can't. There was a lot of I can't. Um, yeah. But yeah, I had a great birthday. But there isn't, I'd say if I didn't have cancer, there's no way. I probably wouldn't have even told people I was 50. No, I know. I didn't know. I just seen the pictures yeah, and I was yeah. like, it looked amazing. Yeah, like, so it was yeah. nice that you... Got to do stuff with friends and stuff with yeah, family. Yeah, I did loads of different yeah. little things. I was doing and was project. that around a break from chemo? Because um, that was about a year ago, was it now? Was I on chemo? No, because I had no hair. Yeah, no, because we were just saying that there's a lot more to chemo than we... I don't... I have, I'm on chemo at the moment and do have hair. But um, no, I just had that week off chemo. I didn't okay. take it. Yeah. Okay. And I think maybe I'd had the week before off as well. Looks but, great though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the team would always put holidays. My team certainly would put holidays before chemo. Yeah, and I've had that too with my team. They've been yeah. like, we can always give you a break. That's no problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people are like, I know some people who go in weekly, and they they just wouldn't wouldn't even dream of taking a break. Yeah, with the fear yeah. of something happening to them. Whereas if I had something booked, like I know that just really quickly before we finish up, I know that. June, July, August, well, July and August is going to be tough for us as a family and I'm trying to book something small now for us. Yeah. And, like, I can't get over how expensive it is to holiday in Ireland. So I'm not looking for anything fancy. Mm. I'm looking for a hotel with a second pool, which is so hard, like, you know. Um, and because I know how tough the summer's going to be and then there's going to be a lot of rolling eyes because they can't go here and they can't go there because yeah. mommy is sick and daddy's obviously because I remember one of the Jamie's play therapist saying she was very worried about him when I was in after my when I got sepsis after my liver resection because Carl was doing everything and he just hadn't got the capacity to be that one to one for Jaden when he was struggling because he had Lola and he had Mason and he had running the house and yeah. running up to me with stuff and that was really hard and it's and it's how we I suppose I, I'm kind of thinking now how do we plan this where they all get a little yeah, bit of they, I, I went down yeah. for an hour down to Dub Dock to get something for this pain in my neck and said to Lola I'll be back in an hour to keep Netflix on pause and I didn't come back for two weeks yeah so you can imagine like so it's really important to me that we like they probably don't give a shit like 
I it's so important for me that we get away for a few days yeah, and do something no, like and it is like and nothing be, else matters at this minute in my head but I it, just want to do it's that it's all about making memories it is now it and is. about living every day and getting into like spending money and like that again doing things that probably wouldn't have done yeah. without the diagnosis of cancer to give you that kick up the arse and I think it's given lots of other people who know me and stuff that kick up the arse to do like life is short yeah so there's no point yeah. sitting at home worrying. And, yeah, and listen to your body is the, is the main thing, isn't yeah. it, really? Like, and, and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. life's... Like, Too short. Yeah, just enjoy yourself, relax, and take it easy, you yeah. know? Yeah. You need to take the advice there, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I, need to get, I need to get on board with that one. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet. I just get so flustered. So in my head, there's 50 things that mm. I feel like I need to do and needs to happen. And like... We were talking we were talking earlier on about the Oxycontin and the Oxymorn. When I came out of the hospital after the blood clot in my neck and the sepsis, my, I remember standing in the chemist with my husband and I'm saying to the opti- I'm saying to the pharmacist, if she because I'm really bad at taking meds, so after a week I was like, Oh, I'm gonna withdraw off these now because I don't want to get addicted. And he said to the chemist, those medications were masking her blood clot. If she hadn't if she hadn't have stopped her medication herself, she'd be dead now. And I'm thinking, holy shit, he's right. Mm. He is right. So that makes me more like everything has to be about the kids. And mm. I know, and there's never time for me. Like, and I should really. But the old, we all know the old saying of you don't look out yourself. So, yeah. And that's true. It's not the situation yeah. we're yeah. in. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. But sure, yeah. Look, thanks a million for talking to us. It's been, and it's been really educational for me because there's a lot of stuff I'm not aware of. And you're yeah. probably the same. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much, Anne-Marie. Um, because it is, it's always, like, I've just found your whole journey interesting. But it's so, they're so different. Like, the, Yeah, no, they're very Even though you journeys. both have cancer, yeah. they're so different. And they're mm-hmm. so, and everyone deals with it differently. And everyone has different circumstances. And, it's and we're just, both stage four. But we're just are dealing with different types of cancer. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it, that's to me is like so, it's so important to get, different perspectives because I can sit here every week and talk to you and listen about your journey and that's great but it's also nice to have other people talk about their journeys and like how they deal with things and like just kind of it's education educational sorry to me so it that's important for me because I like to learn and I like to meet new people and learn new experiences so yeah I do really appreciate you coming on and thanks very much thank you very much um, it's, been, so, it's been lovely. Yeah, so episode six done and dusted. Um, as always, you can follow us on our, all our socials. Um, and we have a petition uh, going around to try and have the screening age for bowel cancer lowered in Ireland. Um, so get on that and sign it. Uh, it literally takes not even two minutes to sign. It's really important and it would change a lot of people's lives. It would make a huge difference. Um, so yeah, uh, you can get in contact with us. We're always happy to hear from people. Um, and you can follow Linda's Instagram when you have hope. She's always trying to get the followers up. So that's always good. We're nearly um, at a thousand. Nearly. Now. Not quite um, there yet. <laughs> uh, and just to say thanks again, Anne-Marie. It was really uh, informative and educational. And it was nice to hear someone's story and kind of how they... There's some woman for one woman, let me tell you, though. You know that, don't you? Um, well, I'm saying as every other human being. Just See, doesn't just so typical modest. Irish. So yeah, so modest, so just so <laughs> um but again, thanks very much and uh thanks for listening everyone. Thank you. Thanks a lot.
bye